Welcome to the Remnant Podcast. I'm Paula. And I'm Carrie. And again, we are going to do something a little different today. We are going to dive into part two of our series of interviewing a sex trafficking survivor. We have Whitney with us again today, and she's going to share a little more information and get a little bit more in-depth of the trafficking um, that she experienced. So Whitney, last week when we talked, we talked about... um, you being a teenager and being in TYC and you said how you felt empowered and that's why you would actually go there often, like on purpose. So what happened after you left TYC? Did you go back to school or, or not? Um, No. So when I left TYC, I was actually on parole. Um, I did all right on parole. Um, While I was in, while I was in TYC, I figured out, you know, I, I could sing and um, I knew how to write poems and songs and stuff. So when I got out, I just knew I was going to get famous, right? So <laughs> I started trying to like pursue that. Of course, I'm like, met, you know, I met some cool people, but I also met, you know, some not so cool people doing that. And um, after I left, um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I got a job at CC's Pizza and, um, that lasted about two weeks. Um, I also, um, I was staying with my mom, and um, at this time, like, she had met a guy that was way younger than her. Um, he lived with her, and she's been in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous since, you know, before I was born. And um, she started drinking again, and so I started drinking with her. And um, things got, like, weird. Like, you know, whenever you cross the the line between friend and uh, parent, things get, like, really weird. And the respect that you have for that person kind of, you know, blurs into, like, uh, trying to challenge her, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so I ended up hanging out with um, a girl I had actually met on parole. I was on parole with her. And... um, We became, like, really good friends, you know, and uh, we did everything together. She'd spend the night at my house. I'd spend the night at her house, Um, and she had introduced me to a guy named Mo. Um, He was, uh, from what I thought at first, um, he was a drug dealer. You know, when you're, you know, 18, you think that's the coolest thing in the world. They got money. They got a car, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, he's showing interest in me. Um, I was, I was still kind of fat at the time, you know, so I I really, I had no self-respect, you know, and I didn't really know, you know, I just, I knew I thought it seemed cool and, um, we had the same birthday. So I thought that was a sign from the heavens above that Uh (laughs) we, we were meant to be. And, um, uh, my life just kind of went downhill after I met him. Um, he was, uh, he had a few like girls working for him um they were you know being trafficked by him at the time I thought you know I didn't see it as being trafficked you know I thought it was like you know I I don't know I still kind of like I still kind of have a problem like or not a problem but I the way I view it um is still kind of like uh, shame and guilt and like you know like it was, it was me, you know, I did something to make them think that, hey, I wanted that, you know, but, um, so we started doing what I thought was dating, and he, um, eventually, 
you know, ended up telling me, oh, hey, one of my girls can't do this, you know, um, will you take this date for her? I'll never ask you to do it again. So uh, I was like, you know, a little hesitant at first, but um, I ended up doing it. Uh, I ended up puking all over the guy afterwards, the the guy that I saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was disgusted, but, um, and I was too, um, you know, when you're younger, you just set these morals in place and you just, you know, those things you say you're never going to do. Oh, I'll never do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had just totally crossed the line with that okay. for for a, a person who obviously didn't even care about me. Gotcha. So basically you thought you were in a relationship. Yeah. With, with Mo. Mm-hmm. That's how it started. That's how it started. And then he asked you to do a favor for him. Mm-hmm. So... Did that favor become persistent? Did he start asking you to do that more frequently? Um, he didn't ask me anymore. He started telling me. Okay. Um, he started getting, like, violent, uh, emotionally, and physically abusive. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't even on drugs then. And I remember in a six-month like period, I ended up losing like 50, 60 pounds, you know, just from getting abused from the stress of like, you know, dang, is he going to beat me up today? Or, you know, I'm I'm walking on eggshells, making sure I don't, you know, uh, upset him. So I don't, I don't have to pay for it, you know, and um, he just did everything to humiliate and um, degrade me that, I mean, I've never, to this day, uh, to this day, like, uh, I've never met, in my eyes, that was the devil, you know, and um, I, I don't know that I'll ever be the same because of that, you know, but, um, like, I remember times, you know, I, I would have to wear his clothes um, whenever I was seeing clients, you know, they would ask me, you know, what happened to my face, I always had bruises, um, my black eyes, my nose, he broke my nose once, he broke my nose because the girl next to us, he thought, you know, she liked me and I liked her um, because we were wearing the same color shirt one day. I mean, he was he was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, would look at the billboards and uh, it was like some movie called um, like Good and Evil or Angel and Devil or it was something like that. And uh he like had knocked me out one day in the car and he was like yeah those billboards are are what the police are telling me you're doing and I was like thinking in my head what are you you know what are you talking about Mm -hmm. first of all like you're not that important that the the police would do you a favor like that you know and secondly I'm around you all the time you know like I, I just didn't understand it and uh Oh, I remember asking him one day, you know, why he used to hit me. And he was, uh, his response was um, that uh, he didn't ever want any other guy to see what he saw in me. Wow. Wow. How long were you involved with him? Uh, It was like nine months. Nine months. Okay. I just wanted to bring something up, Whitney, for Uh the listeners, because I think your experience is also very common of others that have um, go through this trafficking experience, this horrific experience, is that it starts out kind of like a boyfriend, like you said, mm-hmm. um, very much hearing what you want to hear. There's no signs of abuse. 
Yeah, he would he would stick up for me if anybody else, you know, at first, if anybody else would say anything to me. And that's why it was just like I had never experienced something like that before, you know, <clears throat> prior to um, being involved with him. I had never I had never even seen anything like that before. So I was just so I think in shock, you know, like that, like this was happening to me, you know, and it was just, um, you know, it was unreal. And from what point of meeting Mo and kind of going through that dating type relationship or kind of Romeo experience or whatever you want to call it from the time, when did that start to the time where something just flipped? Um, It was about like three weeks or a month. Okay, so it wasn't right away. I think no, not a lot of listeners, you know, it's important to understand that it it's not like the abuse starts right away. No. That there's a trust that starts building yeah. a relationship that starts building that's very genuine and real most of the time. Yeah. And um and then one day it just there's a flip that yep. like you're like you're describing. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's that one day when they ask you to do a favor. Yeah. Because you've built up that trust in them. And so you're not thinking that this is something you're going to have to keep doing. Um, You're trying to show them that you can be trusted, that you love them, and you want to do what, you know, they're asking you to do. Mm -hmm. So during this time when you were with him and you serviced, you know, guys or whatever, how many would you service, like, in a day's time? Um, the most was probably like six or seven. Um, but it was not only that, that he was having me do, um, he was having me like seek out other girls. I actually, uh, I was, uh, charged when I was, uh, I think I was like 18. I was charged with the compelling prostitution charge. Um, because, um, I had sought out a girl on, uh, I think it was like Moco space and, um, he was like telling me what to say. And, you know, of course my picture was up there. And so, um, she, you know, thought we were friends, you know, we went and picked her up. She was 16. He was 29 and, uh, and I was 18 and, um, he would, um, you know, have sex with her in front of me. He would beat me up in front of her just to humiliate me. So that was that was her thinking that, you know, oh, he won't ever do this to me. You know, I remember one time um, he was about to have sex with another girl in front of both of us, and she was like, you know, um, I won't let him hit you. And I was like, you know, girl, do you know what he'll do if <laughs> if you try to stick up for me? Like, just, just don't even get involved. It's going to be worse for you. Mm-hmm. Wow. So what was that turning point? What made you leave him or how did you leave that situation? Oh, it, w- it the only way I could leave is by going to jail. Um I went to jail for the compelling prostitution. Uh we were actually in Farmer's Branch at a hotel and um he had t- uh kicked me. I was I was confronting him. That was uh it was the day after um me and her had talked on the elevator and uh he was, um, I was crying. I was in the bathroom and I was crying. And um, he had, he was like cussing me out and he kicked me in the chest into the bathtub um, and he tore a ligament in my chest. And um, we were about to go somewhere and I was like crying and stuff. Well, when we get off the elevator, uh, 
I was just like thinking in my mind like on the elevator down like you know if I just take off and run um as soon as the elevator opens first of all he won't catch me and second somebody's gonna see us in the hall so he won't you know he won't be bold enough to try to come and run after me boy was I wrong Mm. I took off running when we got to the, the the when the elevator you know opened up and there was this big old dude at the end of the hallway he seen he seen him chase me you know and he was like hey man and mo was like you know that's my that's my girl you know what i mean like mind your own business so um we end up like walking to the store or something and um the police stop us um my sister's a year older than me but uh i knew her birthday you know and her name and uh, I used her name, mm-hmm. and uh, they asked us for our name and stuff like that. She used her sister's name, and I used my sister's name, and um, they uh, let us go. So we get back to the hotel room. They call they call us, um, and they tell us we're kicked out. So we're, like, moving all of our stuff, and um, I had called my mom to come pick us up. Well, my mom gets there, and the like as we're loading the last bag in the car uh the police like pull up on us and the, the my mom like lets her window down and and uh she was like they were like had me you know they had me like not in handcuffs yet but they were like walking me over there and she was like hey what you know what are you doing with my daughter and he was like she lied uh she lied about her name and and she was like what and they ended up arresting me you know, it was really one of those things you think is the worst thing in the world at the time, but it was a blessing in disguise. Um, mm-hmm. I spent like three months in jail. He ended up bonding me out, and I went back to my mom's house, and um, he ends up like showing up with like three different girls, and he was like, uh, my mom's boyfriend that I was talking about earlier, like um, he let him in, and uh, I told him I didn't want to go with him, you know. I was just so tired of that. Like I, I couldn't even, he wouldn't even like let me talk to my mom he would cuss my mom out and um I that's how I ended up getting away from him okay so after you left him did you meet somebody else um I still stayed in contact with him um I did meet somebody else though um that was more like he was more like a relationship though but I ended up um I think at that point you know um, like I said, I was shocked at how Mo treated me, but at the same time, I was almost um, addicted to that abuse, you know? Mm-hmm. I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, I've never had somebody love me that much. He gets that mad, you know? He, he is that jealous, you know? Mm-hmm. He loves me so much. Like, that's awesome, you know, in my mind. And now, like, looking back, I was seeking that out through different people. And um, I met, like, several several different people you know and the relations the relationships always ended up like very toxic like it always ended up um me um prostituting for you know some guy who was either on drugs you know um or um who was had had like a real job but didn't mind that I did that you know like that obviously they still took the money and um, it just always ended up like that, no matter how I intended for it to end up, you know. In my mind, it was like, um, you know, somebody had degraded me with that, with, with you know, um, selling my body. So, I, you know, it was my way of almost in my mind um, 
thinking that, hey, I, I'm doing it for myself now. They, you know, everybody else is taken from me, you know, what, you know, degraded me and taken that from me. So I'm going to go ahead and do it for myself now. So you felt like you had control by doing it yourself. Yeah, crazy enough, but I did. Mm-hmm. So you, you said something. You said when you were with Mo, you didn't do drugs to no. get through anything. Mm-mm. So when did the drug use start? Um, it was like um, on and off, uh, like, you know, like experimental stuff, like with um, X and um, cocaine. And, you know, I would drink every now and then and marijuana, you know, um, that was when I was like uh, 19 and 20. And um, when uh, when I turned like 21, um, I mean, uh, I went on to, you know, heroin and meth and and crack at one point you know mm-hmm. and um it was just my way of coping through everything I had let happen to me mm-hmm. I think there's an important aspect of um what you're talking about is that the control you know we keep saying the word control and something we teach in our education and our claim is that you never underestimate the amount of control a trafficker has over a victim, um, no matter if they're present in the room or not. Um, and for you, he had control over everything you dressed, everything you did. Um, and it sounds like drugs was not a major player when you were with Mo. Is that right? Uh, they weren't a player at all. Like we, <laughs> it was crazy because most of the time we ended up so broke that, um, I mean, we could barely afford to stay at a hotel room, you know? It was it was abuse. It was constant abuse that yeah. was a force of control, yes. rather than using drugs yes. in, in, in this period of your life with this um, with with this pimp. Yes. Um, another thing, I as you've been talking, um, and as Paul and I have talked about before, is just that that Stockholm syndrome, that trauma bonds, you know, and that's what you are experiencing. You have related and, and with your with that person for survival mm-hmm. right like because you had to in order to survive you're it's literally that trauma you were going through um and that really really um bond, a str- like strong bond that was connected like you said like you thought he was loving you by beating you mm-hmm. and just how real that trauma bond is um in your life and how twisted and brainwashed I think you've used the word brainwashed yes. before yes um that that's exactly what was happening okay so I want to ask you this question um how long there was Mo and then there were a few others mm-hmm. how long would you say you were being trafficked or in the life whether whether he was asking you to sleep with other men or whether you took control and said, hey, this is what I'm going to do for myself, how long would you say that lasted in your life? Um, from 17 to, like, 28. Okay. Okay. So about 11 years. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And the, the dr- I want to go back to the drug use because that is very, it, it almost kind of goes hand in hand when it comes to trafficking. So the, did the drug use get progressively worse? or did Oh, it yeah, get- it, it always does. It's a progressive illness. Addiction is. Mm-hmm. Um, it 
got worse to where, uh, you know, um, I started like, you know, literally self mutilating when, when, when I started doing heroin. Um, I mean, I started out, you know, I think 21, you know, was the, uh, or like when I was around 20 was like, I feel like the best I've ever looked from 20 to like 22. I look like a totally different person. I mean, um, heroin sucked the life out of me, literally. I was so skinny, um, bags under my eyes, I was pale, and uh, I would look in the mirror and just think that that was cute, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, everybody around me would ask me if I was sick. Um, I walked, like, leaning, I leaned over when I walked and stood up. Mm -hmm. Like, it looked like I had, you know, back problems, really bad back problems. And um, I was the only one who didn't realize that, you know, that was how I looked. Um, I had track marks all up and down my arms, um, constant visits to the ER to uh, remove abscesses. Um, it, it was just really bad. I had needles, like, get stuck in my arm. Um, and I just, uh, like, guys would meet me and be like, oh, you're, you know, you're too pretty to be doing that. And I'd be like, I, I would kind of feed off of that. I'd be like, you know, don't, you know, don't try to save me, just, like, you know, give me my drugs. Mm -hmm. And um, I just didn't care about anything. Uh, I had I had no sense of hope. Like, I felt like that was how it was going to be forever. Um, I was cool with Odin, you know. Like, that, that was probably how I was going to die, you know. And um, all the uh, prepaid friends that I had, because, you know, for, for our friendship to work, you know, they definitely have to benefit off of, you know, me somehow. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether it be drugs or money or just a place to stay, that, that's what our friendship consisted of. Um, and um, I had just succumbed to the fact that, you know, this is how things were. It doesn't get any better for me. And um, just deal with it, you know. All right. I have two questions. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully I remember the second one. But this <laughs> one, as it relates to um, the drug use. and No, as it relates to trafficking. When you were being trafficked, when you were doing it for yourself, especially when you were doing it for Mo, did you make money? Did you pocket the money or did the money go to him? Um, when I was with Mo, uh, I, I barely even touched the money. Okay. You know, that, uh, I barely ever even touched the money. Um, when I was um, doing it for myself, if I was with a guy, you know, to make myself feel better, um, I would keep like, you know, uh, like 40 bucks if it was like for 200 or 250 dollars you know I'd keep like 40 bucks and give them the rest you know and it was just like what what's understood don't have to be explained you know but um I don't know it, it just it it's different when when you give somebody something it's cool you know but when they start expecting it they're start regardless of what whatever your understanding is um it, I mean it becomes a problem you know so um, it was always like conditional. Oh, okay. Well, you can't make money. Uh, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go out and hang out with uh, my friends, or you know mm -hmm. what I mean. So, um, yeah. So, and the reason I asked because I know with young girls, um, it's almost kind of presented to them as though they'll have this lavish lifestyle. Yeah. And, and be able to buy this and buy that. For instance, I, I want to ask you, what kind of language did you use when you recruited that 16 year old? Girl. Um, 
do you remember i don't really remember with her but like i've you know i've had other like pimps you know and um <laughs> i'm gonna sound stupid like talking like that now or i'm gonna feel like then i thought it was so cool you know but i would like just tell them you know that they could really like have anything that they want um i always you know when i was with um uh, the pimp whose name, you know, I ended up getting tattooed on me. Um, he like would always have me in nice clothes, um, perfume. Um, my nails were always done. Uh, I had a membership. I had a personal trainer. Um, I had a tanning membership. Um, I got, you know, butt injections, mm -hmm. um, just anything I wanted, you know, I mean, it was literally like that, like anything I wanted, but I still didn't know how to drive. I didn't have a bank account. Um, I w it was it was controlled in a way that was enticing, you know, mm -hmm. and so I presented that to other girls, mm -hmm. and um, uh, I would just like you know they would see how I looked. Mm -hmm. I always had you know highlights in my hair, um, you know. Uh, I would show them the professional pictures that I had got done and um, show them my ads online. And that was enticing enough for somebody who's already doing this, you know, and, and is not really, you know, taken care of. Mm -hmm. They would feel like, you know, there's nothing but opportunity. Would you say it's pretty common that um, that pimps will use women and other girls that they are trafficking to recruit? Um, yeah, because if they're, you know, like I said, I... I, I looked apart, you know what I mean? So if, if a girl can show you firsthand, like, you know, it, it doesn't really even, it, it speaks for itself, you know what I mean? But a lot of times, um, if the girl was nice or, you know, she didn't have bruises on her, like the pimp did, wasn't hitting her, you know, a lot of girls that, you know, you're talking to when you are trying to recruit are getting beat up or, uh you know, if they are on drugs, they they don't have any other drugs. Their pimp is usually on drugs, too. And, um, I mean, that wasn't the case when I was 